You are listening to Hero Discussion. What's up, guys? Welcome. Yet another episode of Zero Distortion. How you guys doing today? It's a nice, crisp, cold, gloomy Monday morning in Arkansas. I'm just guessing. It's actually uh, 1241 Sunday morning. Yeah, that's why I'm acting with such a high level of, uh, you know, hubris, I guess you could say. Well, just bravado, like, I'm good, I'm good, this is coming out on time, I did it this time. Can't guarantee I'll do it next time, I'll probably do it next time, because I've already got, I've already got a next episode queued up, picked out already, um, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll kind of get into that probably later what has happened this week anything music wise anything life wise uh, not not really not really anything life wise nothing crazy has happened my children are still crazy and out for my blood but that's what they're supposed to be um yeah nothing really life wise as far as let's see like music like is there anything crazy that i've experienced uh i mean i've been listening to bell witch a whole lot i listened to like half of mirror reaper earlier while i washed dishes and uh mopped and cleaned up a little bit um i listened to like half of the work still solidly confident in it as my album of the year for last year um i listen to a lot of trivium uh how 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 does everybody feel about trivium i don't know they seem to be kind of pulled maybe a little polarizing i mean back when ascendancy came out i loved trivium like i mean i was big into metalcore at the time because that's when the poison came out that's when the end of heartache came out that's when the curse came out i mean i was into melodic metalcore it's also when city of evil came out it's a little bit different but mm, similar i guess anyways so i loved ascendancy still do i listen to it all the way through the crusade not so much i mean it's great they really took a huge stab at like trying to go out like outright thrash metal with it i'd say it worked i just didn't really care for it that much um and then shogun shogun is my album that's my trivium album i mean it's just it's super cool like all the songs rip they all are just uh, they're all just great love it um then I quit listening to them, and, you know, last year they put out In the Court of the Dragon, or, what is it, In the Court of the Dragon? I think I got it right. 
Yeah, in the Court of the Dragon. I listened to that. First time I listened to brand new Trivium in a long time. I mean, it was really good. It's it's a really good... Uh, it's a really good album. I mean, I'm I'm not like super hung up on it or anything. But... Yeah, they're definitely still holding their own. Um... I haven't really found anything new, anything extra special. Uh, I might be trying to figure out some of those <laughs> fun new ideas. Kralis uh, came out with a new album. I might check that out. I don't know. I haven't really listened to them much. I know they're like a U.S. black metal band. I'm really not that big on black metal, except for like atmospheric and uh, uh, DSBM and stuff like that, but not even on that so much anymore. I had a phase, I had a phase where I was really into it, and um, yeah, that's been done for some time, but I don't know, everyone like just, just ultra praises Kralis, like they're, you know, a, a huge deal a big discovery a real real boundary pushing thing um and speaking of boundaries mashuga they put out their first single in like i don't know how many years and uh it's it's pretty good it's called the abysmal eye um i need to listen to it more I always have a little bit of trouble with Meshuggah. I can listen to Catch 33 all the way through. It's just a smooth ride for me. It's mildly hypnotic. That is the perfect Meshuggah album for me. Now, Obzin is really good. Nothing is really good. Um, man, I don't know. There's just something. It's Their rhythmic sound is just very abrasive for me after a certain amount of time and it, it makes it difficult to listen to them for prolonged periods of time but rest assured i will be covering immutable when it drops on uh april fool's day still still got my eyes on that that's a little uh a little sus um yeah i think that's Kind of. I think that's kind of it. Really? Yeah. This has just been a low-key week. Work's been a pain. Just just bugs and lots of stuff to deal with in the, in the app I'm building. Really fun. So, today, we're looking at a band that I kind of just poo-pooed when I first heard them, but then I grew to like them, then I grew to really like them when I was a teenager. Um, they pushed a lot of boundaries, they changed a lot of things about themselves, like, f just basically just threw the whole band in the garbage at one point, and just came back as a, almost an entirely new band. Completely new sound, just these guys, these guys have been all over the place. They've done ev everything. 
We're talking about Under Oath. Their brand spanking new album, Voyeurist. So, some of the young people out there, I don't, I don't know what, I think my, I think my demos are trending like at least my age, like older than me. So I don't really think there are any young people listening, but, uh, to young people, hello. Um, yes, AARP is great. Um, since I'm old, um, yeah, you might be wondering who Under Oath is. Uh, a lot of you out there who are older, you you may or may not be familiar with them. I, I, just, I know it's a metal podcast, and I know these guys aren't totally metal, but I would consider most of their material to be metal, so they make the show. And, I mean, besides, it's my, it's my damn show. I'll put it on if I want. Um, Under Oath is a... Uh, kind of a Christian hardcore metalcore band from Tampa, Florida, formed in 1997. Genre-wise, it's kind of weird to say hardcore metalcore, but they, they're pretty much metalcore. They've been metalcore for a long time. Basically, as long as I've been listening to them. But they weren't always. So, back in the day this band was kind of like a a pretty heavy like black metal death metal kind of band still the the members were still christian i don't think it was i think i don't think the music was still was leaning in a christian direction their music never really did lean in a christian direction it's more so they just they just viewed things from a christian viewpoint so the music was never preachy therefore i you know it, it, I could have latched onto it at this point, but I did not listen to Under Oath back then. They put out three albums. Let's see here. They put out. Is it that the first one? Act of Depression, Cries of the Past, The Changing of Times. I think The Changing of Times that kind of started to lean towards where they were heading. I've never listened to any of these albums before. Under Oath has always kind of been like a passing band for me. One that I liked, but was never like super wrapped up in. Um, so bear with me here. I'm I'm kind of going off the top of my dome. So everything changed at this point after the changing of times. Funny that that happened. And between that, that came out in 2002, and their next album in 2004, it, it was all different. Then they released They're Only Chasing Safety. And it was like, you know, the, the emo, screamo kind of sound that was popular at the time. And it was like, what is happening here? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that's what it was like for. I'm sure it was like that for people who had listened to them prior. For me, I was like, okay, so this is just what they are. Then, two years later, Define the Great Line came out. Now, if you're familiar with Under Oath, you probably recognize that 
title, that's that's kind of the album that put that synth under oath like really into like the stratosphere of being respected in their genre. Um because they're only chasing safety, it sent them into the stratosphere as far as popularity goes. But Define the Great Line was like was like, oh, these guys are playing for keeps. This is this is these guys are the real deal. They're not playing around. Like I said, they're not playing for keeps. They're not playing at all. Um what Define the Great Line did was it was a very stark change because I never listened to They're Only Chasing Safety. I'm going to be real with you. When it comes to Under Oath, I've listened to a couple songs from They're Only Chasing Safety, which is really the singles. The two singles. Reinventing Your Exit and It's Dangerous Business Going Out Your Front Door, obviously. Define the Great Line, I owned. I've heard it numerous times. It is still great. I've listened to it in recent times. Um, see... Their next album, I listened to like a song or two, and then the the one after that, I listened to uh, like maybe a, a quarter of the album. It's really good, and I haven't listened to their last one. So, yeah, I'm kind of looking back on this band from like the viewpoint of someone who really heard that one album and that was it, but... God, what defined the great line was nuts because they went from screamo to like just this mathy kind of metalcore, not super duper heavy, but way heavier than what they were doing before. Spencer, their vocalist, I I see a parallel between Spencer Chamberlain from Under Oath and Spencer Sotelo from Periphery because on periphery one and they're only chasing safety the spencers as i will refer to them henceforth had a flatness to them like they had a scream and that was kind of all you got at least that's what i got from their own the stuff from they're only chasing safety it sounded like your typical screamo Spencer from Periphery, I mean, it's not a little different. He didn't have a lot of range with his screams. But then on Periphery 2 and Define the Great Line, respectively, everything changed. The, the, the Spencers widened their vocal range as far as screams go. as uh, Without just having like that like mid-level, just like that mid-scream that's just flat after a while just hearing it on and on and on they now had like layers they now had highs and lows and mids and just these just all kinds of just it's like they opened their third eye trying to improve before the new albums and wow i just i've just been blown away by that I, I literally watched part of a music video when they said Under Oath was going to be on the Headbangers Ball. I was like, what? Under Oath? You, you're kidding me. And then, you know, the Headbangers Ball uh, 
commercials, they would play like a clip of a music video and they play part of writing on the walls. And I was like, what the hell happened to under oath? So yeah, I immediately went out, I bought it and it was, it blew my mind. It was really good. And then moving along, Lost in the Sound of Separation was their next album, 2008. It was, I didn't listen to it all the way through. It was in a similar vein. Then things started to change again. Their um, founding member, like the last remaining founding member, Aaron Gillespie, the drummer and clean vocalist, left the band. So here you are with this band full of guys that are not original members, but it's still called Under Oath. And it was it was very weird for me. They released an album called Disambiguation. And what I listened to was really, really heavy and abrasive and very different, just raw. And, oh, it's it sounds like it's so up my alley. I've just never really listened to it. Uh, one day, one day. And then Under Oath broke up, and I thought, well, that sucks, but I guess it's for the best. That's the end of it. And then a few years later, <laughs> we hear in 2015, the hiatus is off. And it's like, what? Under Oath's back? Same same lineup that, that we left off with. Well, plus Aaron. Aaron Gillespie, the drummer, came back. So, then they released in uh, 2018, Erase Me. And Under Oath was back. Um, from what I heard, it was a little bit... They had some more electronic stuff. There's some more electronic stuff on Voyeurist as well. But, like, it's a little bit more electronics. But one of the glaring differences between this and some of the earlier work was... They they weren't Christian anymore. And you know, for someone like me who's kind of agnostic and kind of like almost anti-Christian, it's like, yeah, yeah, but no, it's confusing to me. Especially when I heard the singles from this album, I was like, what happened to these guys? Because they were... They were like really devout, like they were doing like Bible studies and stuff on on tour. And I don't know. Somewhere along the line, Spencer had, you know, some drug problems. And you know, that that happens. And what he observed from the Christian community was not outreach and support. It was more so shunning and, you know, being outcast. And I, I get that. Like, that level of alienation is gonna, it's gonna stick with you. And I feel like it's gonna stick with him for a while. I don't, I don't know if he'd ever turn back and, you know, try to be Christian again. I I have no idea. I uh, I hope he finds what he's looking for. This album is dark. This album is really really like dark 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 at times. 
Like there's times when it sounds like the old under oath, but there's a lot of times where it is just really, really scary. Like <laughs> not in a way of I'm afraid for somebody's existence, but more so just in a way of like, man, this is this is a change. It's a switch up. It is a real switch. And I'm 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 okay with it. It's just I hope at some point he can look back and revisit these events and not look with not look on not look on it all with like just a huge level of resentment. I mean I did I personally do feel somewhat anti-Christian for similar reasons. It seems like whenever I deal with Christians, they're always judging you, they're always trying to fix you. They always like if you're not a Christian, then you're considered a, the one of the lost ones and you need to be saved and brought into the club. And I ain't got time for all that. I'm agnostic and I'm Jewish. Okay? I'm good. I'm good. Okay? I don't need any fixing. So, yeah, I feel some similar things and I I don't feel that great about Christianity myself. But I don't feel that way about all Christians, not all of them. I I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it feels to me like at least Spencer and maybe everybody else in the band, like the whole band has been having a really hard time with some of these, uh, some of these issues, but hopefully they worked, they worked a lot of it out. I'm, I'm feeling like they exercised a lot of demons with voyeurist. Um, let's hope so. Cause <laughs> like I said, this album is dark. It is really dark. Okay, so let's let's kind of look at it. So who is Under Oath? Um, we just I just kind of went over a basic generalization of Under Oath's story. So I'm I'm only gonna go over current members of Under Oath, like the the not the classic lineup from the first three albums, but like the. The main lineup, the one that we all have grown to know and love over the years. Um, the main man, Aaron Gillespie, the only remaining original member of Under Oath. Drums and clean vocals, 1997 to 2010 when they broke up, and then 2015 to present. Well, not, not 2010 when they broke up. They broke up after that. He left before they broke up. He actually had like a band of his own that he had that he was fronting, and I can't remember what it's called. Let's see, I think I got the Wikipedia. Yeah, what is what was that band called? Let's see, oh yeah, and their old singer. If you've ever heard of Maylene and the Sons of Disaster, Dallas, the singer for that band, is the former, um, the former vocalist for Under Oath. Let's see. Sleep while you're sleeping in the river. I don't recognize any of these bands. The Almost, that's the one. That's, uh, yeah, that's Aaron Gillespie's band. 
the almost. I remember that. Um, well, I remember it now. Anyways, so yeah, Aaron Gillespie. He's he's kind of been a huge crux of the band. Like he's been like a, a basically the cornerstone of the band um, forever. I mean, if he leaves again, it's just like why even continue his under oath? Be someone different. Christopher Dudley, keyboards, synths, samplers, programming since two thousand. Uh, then to the breakup, and then from the hiatus going off till now. Yeah, he he. I mean, he added a different kind of feel to the to the band. If I remember, he's a big guy too. I think he's like one of the. I think he's the biggest member of the band. Like tall, broad-shouldered guy. Uh, Timothy McTagg, lead guitar, backing vocals since 01 to the breakup, and then from there on. Uh, Grant Brandell, I don't recognize that name. Bass since 02 to the breakup, and then on. Yeah, this is this is these are the guys. James Smith, rhythm guitar. 03 to the breakup and then I'm from then on and Spencer Chamberlain lead vocals 03 to 13 and then and from then on so how did I feel about the first Under Oath record I've really listened to in earnest in full since Define the Great Line obviously it doesn't stack up to that and it doesn't really have the feel. It doesn't give me the feel that a lot of their other albums do. Like, I can't say it's not good. It's re- it's really good. I enjoy it. It's just, there's a certain level that, like, their older material sits on. And it'll be hard for them to ever reach that again, Christian or not. <laughs> Uh, I didn't listen to this a, a lot, a lot, like some of the other albums I cover, but I did listen to it a good few times. And um, after listening to it, I mean, I picked up, I picked up a few, I picked up a few extra, extra things, you know, for my little basket of stuff to go over. But I mean, overall, overall, I'm, I'm. I'm very pleased with it. I'm very I'm very happy with where Under Oath is right now musically. Well, <laughs> yeah, I guess musically, but um I don't know. Let's let's just get into it cuz it's it's tough for me to explain how it makes me feel. It it, it doesn't make me feel warm and cuddly inside. So, uh we're going to start off with uh a nice, nice one. Damn excuses. So, it's very, very heavy and aggressive to start with. And there's cursing. Like, I would say like a high, t- t- one of the top tier curse words. You get to hear a few times in quick succession. It's They're putting it all out there. Like, I know the last couple records have been getting heavier and heavier, but this immediately feels different. Like, it, like I said, it's like they're really still dealing with their outlook on Christianity. And 
being resentful. And I mean, there's a lot of bleakness that I can hear, like a lot of nothing matters and uh, we're all going to die and all that. And it's like, what is happening with these guys? Like, this is just a, this is a huge shift. And then like musically, the playing isn't so mathy as it was on some previous albums. Um, it's mostly pretty straightforward. There's not a lot of, there's not a lot of weird stuff. Now, seeing as I, I only listen to a little bit of, uh, Lost in the Sound of Separation, I'm, I'm pretty sure that one is similar. I think this is a little bit more similar, like, uh, Disambiguation. And I don't know where Erase Me sits in that. I, I don't know. I haven't really, uh, I need to explore some of their, their other stuff. It's just, you know, I get hung up on other stuff. Yeah. It's, it's a really heavy, really mean song all the way through, but again, very straightforward, incredibly heavy at the end. It's almost like a breakdown. Not quite. It's very, very heavy. But yeah, that's albums off to a good start. Off to a off to a, a really good start. Really, really good start. Um, yeah, that's single number one. I think. I'm pretty sure that's the very first single off of this album. Okay, yeah, no. Yes. Ah, five singles. Stop it. It's half the album. Good lord. Yeah, that frustrates me a lot. They released so much from this album. You released the first track, you released the last track, and you released the, the, the next to last track. You released a bunch of stuff. Just stop it. Just do like two before, one like right after, and call it a day. And split them up by like a few months. I feel like they kind of did that. They kind of split them up, but I can't remember. They all came out last year. Well, yeah, they all came out last year because the album came out like two weeks ago. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyways. <sighs> Moving on. Now we get Hallelujah. That's single number two. Gosh darn it. Yeah, single number two. Um, it starts off with some children chanting. It's still got a pretty similar feel to the last song as far as like the headspace, but it's a little bit toned down on the, uh, on the aggression, I guess you would say. It's a little bit, it's, it's getting a little bit closer to that, uh, that sound that I'm used to when it comes to this band, something a little bit more comfortable. We get Aaron coming up front for the first, for the verse makes it, uh, makes it really feel like old under oath. And the chant is nice. I mean, again, you know, near the end, he kind of throws an F bomb in when he's saying, uh, when he's going along with the chant and it's, it's, it's a little wild to hear, how how they're how he's what he's saying it's it still throws me off i mean i'm here for it to an extent 
but it also seems like that's just a lot of pain. See a lot of pain behind those eyes. Uh, there's a great drum build in the song uh, before the last chorus as well. Kind of a breakdown at the end here too. It does make for a really great single, really anthemic. Uh, I'd say it's fun, but it has a really ominous air about it, like everything else here really, really does. And uh, next we've got, I'm pretty sure I'm out of luck and have no friends. That's the title. It's very uh, Panic at the Disco. <laughs> So there's no no answer on the telephone here. It sounds as though somebody is trying to place a phone call and nobody picks up. Um, it sounds really awful and ominous. It really does. It's very scary. Sounds like someone's reaching out for help and no one's reaching back. It's unfortunate, but it does happen. Uh, once the music starts, it gets really, really spooky. Um, the verse is almost like whispered and like a real, it's not whispered. It's, it's like a really low wispy, like, I don't know. It, I just, I'll just call it whispered. It's not really whispered. Just listen to it. And it's funny cause it shifts between kind of a four, four and a six, eight on the verse. It's very interesting feel. It's like 4-4 four, four for a bit and then like a couple of measures of 6-8 just to kind of throw you off a little bit. And uh, also the song is very percussive. And then like, I don't know, midway through maybe, the bottom drops all the way out. Huge power chords and screaming from Spencer just at the top of his lungs. He hasn't slowed down a bit. Um... He's he's really kept up, like they all have. They have they're firing on they're firing on all cylinders. Like I said, it doesn't seem to be on. It's not on the same level, but it's like it's still really great. I I don't feel like they've slowed down. I feel like they are making a an artistic decision to not sound like they used to, and that's there's nothing wrong with that. Um, yeah, this was really fun. It's a real, like, Beauty and the Beast type song. It's very, very Beauty and the Beast type. Like, not quite in the sense of, like, a the typical meaning of Beauty and the Beast when it comes to, like, like a Lacuna Coil style band with a male and female vocals. Next up is, uh, Cycle. So somebody tell me, what the hell is a ghost main? I'm just kidding. I know ghost main. He's, 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 he's interesting. He's interesting. It's weird. It's like he's part of the whole trap metal scene. But ghost main is a, I don't know. Ghost main is a little different. He kind of strikes me as like Trent Reznor if he was a rapper. It's like his stuff is like really metal and it's like industrial and but he like raps and screams and it's it's weird like you just gotta go listen to this this guy it's not quite like uh scar lord or suicide boys and you know other stuff uh i don't really listen to trap metal 
that's about as far as I ever got into it was like Scar Lord and Ghost Man. And I mean like a song or two. Uh so anyways, uh this one starts off like heavy and groovy. It's a lot more Spencer here. Uh it's a pretty furious song. There's almost blast beats at points. Like I don't know what you call those parts, but it's almost blast beats. The lyrics are absolutely bleak here. What I can hear, I can't remember exactly what I'm what I remember. But this might this might be the song where I heard a lot of there's nothing to live for. And it was just like, what are these guys talking about? And then about halfway through things go like really like um not hit not hit like a hole, but like uh uh what is another song is it terrible lie that I'm thinking of? Yeah, like Terrible Eye or Down In It. Like, they go really pretty hate machine. Um, and Ghost Mane comes in for a verse. He doesn't, like, really rap. He just kind of... He just kind of does his thing. And it brings a new layer to the sound. It's kind of like what you get with uh, These Black Claws by Vola. Uh, I haven't covered Witness, but... Um, one of the singles was These Black Claws featuring uh, Shaman. I don't know how to pronounce it, but um, it's a hip-hop artist. I was like, featuring who? Never heard of him. We'll see. And, like, second verse is rapped. And it was just like, whoa, that just that just brings a whole different, a whole different element to this. Really cool. And Ghostman does the same thing for this song. It's it's doesn't feel out of place, doesn't feel jarring or anything. It it fits, and it's it's really cool. This was also a single. This was the fourth single. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> After they released the ultimate, and before they released the penultimate tracks as singles. So you know, it's fine. It's fine. Um. And again, there's a very heavy closing section. I liked this one. I liked this one. Um, and this is where the album starts to kind of ebb and flow a little bit for me. Not from not between like good and bad, but more so just like like really like really grabbing my attention and kind of like it's good. It's just kind of flowing a little bit. Like I I yeah, it's. We're still having fun, though. Um, this is up next is Thorn. It's almost like electronic drums starting off with kind of a jumpy three-four beat. That's kind of kept. I think it. In, I think it only is in the verse, and then after uh, when the chorus happens, which usually comes after the verse, it goes back to four-four. The drums really start to take off in this song. The verse is pretty mellow, but still feels urgent. It still kind of keeps you on your toes. Um, the chorus, though, is quite heavy. And we get more electronics for the bridge. That's that's kind of more of what I expected uh, from what I heard of their last album. Because what I heard, I was kind of like, I don't know if I want them to go like super in on the electronics. Because weren't they getting heavier I wish they'd pick up back, 
pick back up there, but, you know, I can't really speak on that because I didn't listen to Erase Me. I only heard, like, the first single and was like, yeah, Under Oath is back, and then I just never really paid any attention again because 2018 was like, uh... <laughs> 2018 was when like automata one and two came out and uh where owls know my name came out and yeah i'm sure there was more stuff i just can't remember 2019 was the first year in a while where i was like okay what's coming out and i started paying attention to stuff and i was very well rewarded because there were a few quite a few surprises and a couple of really big ones from a couple of my favorite bands and a bunch of other stuff in between and around that and then you know 2020 i just wanted to see everything everything oh man um anyways uh another thing of note aaron's vocals are just as good as ever like he I feel like he's even better. Like, he's got even greater range. Um, of course, you know, some, I guess some voices age like a fine wine, like some people's voices, but I don't know. His doesn't seem to have aged at all. It still sounds the same. Like, he's just, he's just got a, a better range now. It's great. Up next is uh, No Oasis in parentheses. I'm putting up parentheses with one of my hands because my other hand is holding a microphone. So it's got an ominous atmosphere. It's very theatrical, very theatrical. There's some very soft vocals that sing over this as far off drums pick up. This one plays out almost like an interlude. I'm pretty sure that's what it's meant to be. Like a Salmonir? Salmonir? From uh, Define the Great Line? I've never... I don't I don't know how to pronounce that one. I don't know. Um, it's a very creepy sounding song. That's about all I can say. And closer to the end, there's lots of horror movie soundscapes like you know creaking doors and like the theremin well not theremin but like those just all of those weird picture imagine you remember back in the day when um mcdonald's sold like the had like the little tapes that they gave out with happy meals and stuff i remember i had i had two of them one of them, I remember being like a hot, I think it was just like, yeah, they were, they were two Halloween tapes. Like one of them had like skits and stuff and it was like a whole little program. And the other one I think was just like scary noises. So imagine someone took that and turned and flipped it over to side B, rewound it because it's a, it's a, it's a cassette tape and press play. Without rewinding it all the way, it just uh, like some just some weird horror movie sounds. S- scary, scary. Mm 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 Not that I don't like it. It's it's good. It keeps the keeps the momentum going with the atmosphere. But um, yeah, you know how I feel about these things when it comes to ranking them. It's not going to exactly be at the top of my list. But that's just the nature of what it is. So now up next, we got to take a breath straight into this one from the last song. Like you could 
almost be tricked into thinking that it was just one song. Uh, this is the first outright upbeat sounding song. This sounds like old, happy, Christian under oath. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. The chorus kind of breaks it up and brings in a little extra, like, evil sounding heaviness. It's pretty standard. It gets nice and heavy at the end, screaming, take a breath, and, you know, it's, it's nice. It's a little... It's a little uh, mundane at points where I'm kind of like, I kind of drifted a few times while listening to it. I wasn't super duper into it, but the ending part is like really, really good. Um, Next up, we've got We're All Gonna Die. See, I told you. What a name. Uh... <laughs> It starts off giving you no room to breathe. It is a the verse is super relentless. Now the chorus brings it down just a bit. And this is something of what I expected overall sound wise when they returned a few years back. Subject wise, not even close. Like very, very, very bleak. Like I wish I wish I had looked at some actually looked at some interviews to try and like really wrap my head around where their collective head spaces are at cuz I know like they had some huge issues with Spencer because of drugs and you know like I said he kind of experienced it and then and, and then of course the Christian community you know at least his immediate community was kind of like you know no we don't want anything to do with that and see that's why because our uh the church we used to go to they actually had to celebrate recovery and you know they they just welcome they just welcome all kinds take all kinds you know you got uh people from halfway houses coming through to try and like you know try and get on their feet get a solid base and try to you know try to pick themselves back up and get a, a system of support and yeah I, i'm i'm all down for that i'm all down for that i personally just hate the way it always feels like it always feels like a full package like any move that's made it's f- to to meet an end and you know what that is it's, uh, we want you to join the team and it's like, I just, no, <laughs> that's my own personal issue with Christianity. As far as these guys go, I mean, what I know is what I've told you. So anyways, uh, we're all going to die is again, it's kind of mundane, a little bit more mundane than take a breath. There, there weren't like a whole bunch of highlights. Like I said, like half, like that second half of the album, it kind of, kind of floats a little bit for me. Um, that'll continue a little bit with the next song, "Numb." Uh, it's low and bassy, ominous. Uh, but then we get that upbeat drumming that um, that I recognize Aaron Gillespie for. He's got just a certain. It's not like a certain style. It's just. He just has like a feel to his drumming. Um, 
the chorus really shows why it was a single. <laughs> this is the uh, last single from the album. Uh, it's one of the more low-key songs on the album, honestly. It does have a huge segment before the last chorus. Like It's pretty low-key throughout. Then it picks up a little bit. And then you get the chorus, which kind of brings it back down to earth a little bit. But it's it's a it's not one of my favorites. But it's not too bad. It's not it's not too bad. I don't there's nothing I outright dislike on this album. It's just stuff that I kind of drift a little bit and I'm like, what? What happened? What did I miss? Um Now we get on to the last song. Pneumonia. This is Deftones. This is very Deftones. Like, it literally sounds like Digital Bath with the drumming. It's even down to, like, the wispy singing and just the whole atmosphere of this song is just, like, not like we're ripping off the Deftones, but, like, it's like a music, musically a love letter to them. And the overall feeling here is it's it's hopelessness. There's like a deep sense of emptiness and despair with most of the most of the song, a lot of the song. And there's a point a few minutes in where everything kind of drops off, and there's like this electric buzz that just sits for a while before like a new riff starts, and the song sounds totally different now. It's still dim, but it's much brighter almost as though the whole time before the the music was muffled and you just couldn't hear it all the way it's like i don't know i don't know like maybe it was compressed or something and at that point they took the compression off and you can hear everything so much better that might i don't know that might be canon that might be real just hit my printer tray like that might be really what they did there i don't know all i can describe is what it makes me feel and it it makes me feel a shift in the song and there's a lot of squeaking uh guitar like lead guitar here before power chords rush in things get slow again for a bit but then uh then comes some very heavy chugs for the end like it's so wild it almost sounds like a death metal band at the end of the ga- at the end of the song it almost sounds like i it's un- unbelievable it's an unbelievable ending like that that's it that's the end of the album like i i love i love that song it's a great ending to the album it's a great ending to the song by the way penultimate single pneumonia why do not release the last song guys come on stop it why does everyone have to release half of the album don't link and park it just just let it just let it be just let it be people will pick it up people will listen people will stream it just ah god um overall how do I feel? I like this album a lot. I definitely recommend it for anyone who's a fan of Under Oath or the kind of music that Under Oath is known for. It's not if you're looking for if you're looking for a return to their old 
feel, you're not going to get it. I mean, there's there's flashes of there's flashes of different bits of their um, their this lineup's career. There's flashes of the rest of it throughout this, but nothing's going to hit that define the great line level from this album. This is a different feel. This is a different. This these guys are different. They feel different right now. And uh, we're we're all just gonna have to bear with them on it and see where it goes. There's some things that I'm not like super into on this album, but again, I recommend it every time because it's it's great. It's a great album. Now rankings, what we got? What we got? Obviously, no Oasis at the bottom. It's a freaking interlude. I can't I can't rank it above other stuff. I felt like I've wanted to rank interludes above other stuff before, but I just can't because of the nature of what it is. Then we got Thorn. It's good. It's just, you know, there's some songs on here that don't do as much for me. Numb is one of them. This might be the first time I put a single like this low. Just doesn't do so much for me. Uh, Take a Breath. Really fun, really fun at the end. Not, mm, it, it, the rest of the song just doesn't do so much for me. Um, then we got. I'm pretty sure I'm out of luck and have no friends. It's, it it takes you by surprise, like it lulls you into a false sense of security, and then all of a sudden it kicks you in the teeth. Like, I really like that feel. Um. Cycle. It's a really interesting song because, I mean, guys, I'd say like some of these metal bands, they need to start putting hip hop artists and trap metal artists and stuff like that into their songs because they 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 bring it up. They help it. It helps. It adds a layer. Um, wow. I originally put we're all gonna die up pretty far. Honestly, no, 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 no. Here we go again. I've I've done something silly. I've done something silly. I'm gonna move that back down. So now we've got no oasis, thorn, numb. We're all gonna die. Take a breath. Pretty sure we're. I'm pretty sure I'm out of luck and have no friends. Cycle. Then we got damn excuses. I mean, what a statement <laughs> as a first single and, you know, a new outlook on life. I mean, it's been a new outlook on life by that point, but still, like, really reinforcing and driving it home. Hallelujah. Again, same thing, just a little bit of a different package, a little less abrasive. And then pneumonia is just like this. This is the good stuff. This is man. This is this is really remarkable. This is by far the best thing that they have on this record. I mean, bravo. Um, yeah, that's that's it. That's voyeurist. We're running a little little short this time. Oh man, I I know I had COVID. I'm st- 
I'm not feeling like I still have it. I'm still feeling sick. And I think that's just because it's cold outside and it's, it's, it's just, I'm just like perpetually sniffly and snotty and you know, it's not fun. I don't want it for anyone, but yeah, it's, 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 uh, I just don't like the, I know I was born in Chicago, but I just don't really, if I can avoid the cold, I'm going to avoid the cold. <sighs> well, I guess that's going to do it, guys. Um, Yeah. If you like what I do on Zero Distortion, you enjoy the show, you can pledge to the Patreon patreon.com slash x3r0distortion buy me a coffee dot com slash zero distortion you can follow me on twitter instagram and tiktok at x3r0distortion and uh next week we're gonna be looking at a weird one i don't quite know where this falls i don't even know if i can call this metal i don't fully understand what i've heard here but it popped up for me it popped up in a news article someone was reviewing it and talking about it and i thought it was a death metal album i can't call it a death metal album because there's one out of seven songs has death metal vocals and the guy doing death metal vocals in that song isn't even a part of the band. So yeah. This is a, this is a strange one. I don't know what to make of it yet. I'm going to listen to it some more. I'm going to put down some notes and uh next week we're going to be talking about Fernwa. Their debut album Approaching Oblivion. Very strange stuff. I'll see you next week.